With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That is a new day for Nuggets Nation and for Denver Stiffs. My name is Ryan Blackburn, host of the Nuggets Numbers podcast on the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network. And I'm sure if you're living under a rock today, then I, I apologize for breaking this news to you. But as it turns out, it doesn't look like site manager Adam Morris and writer, contributor Brendan Vogt are going to be with us in the, the Denver Stiffs family much anymore. It's kind of crazy. I've, I didn't really understand how that was going to play out, how that was going to evolve, but to help me digest the situation and to kind of uh, outline some changes that the Stiffs are going to take, uh, some of the future things that we're going to do, I have Stiffs Emeritus Gordon Gross on with me. Gordon, how are you doing, man? Doing good, man. It's been a, it's been a busy day. It has been a busy day. It's been a... For me, I, I didn't expect it to be um, as emotional and as like impactful as it was today. Uh, Adam had a lot of pressure on him as the site manager, and I can totally understand how that sort of evolved. Uh, four years with Adam, and and we only had one year, one year plus with Brendan. But both of those guys are family of over at Stiffs. They are honorary Stiffs, and will continue to be. I know they're going to do great things, but uh, but right now it's 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 looking like we're moving on for the future. So, uh, day was pretty crazy, man. Um, uh, we're going to talk about a variety of things today. We're going to talk about the Stiffs news. We're going to talk about Nikola Jokic and the Serbian team. They're dominating the FIBA. Uh, we're going to talk about the Team USA news that that came out today, and and. That was kind of crazy. Uh, Team USA wins by one point in overtime over Turkey in the group play stage of the FIBA World Cup. They weren't supposed to be competitive games in this situation, especially when Serbia was dominating uh, their team. So this was uh, this was kind of crazy. And then we're gonna we're gonna touch on player rankings for the offseason. Not actually going to do player rankings, but just wanted to touch on the concept of them with Gordon. So. Uh, again, Gordon, how are you doing, man? I know it's been a it's been a tiring day. It's been kind of a crazy one. Uh, what were your thoughts when when you heard that Adam and Brendan were were moving on from Stiffs? Well, I mean, you know, as as friends, we talk um, a little more often. So there's there's things I was prepared for this, right? But right. that said, it's it's still I don't know that I'm shocked. I always expect Adam to take a step up. Right. Like honestly, like I expect Adam to um to continue to do great things. Like this he's made his mark already in the Denver scene and I expect him to continue to make it with the NBA. So um Adam but having to outgrow stiffs and, and move on to other things doesn't surprise me. Um and I'm glad that um uh he and Brendan have, you know, irons in the fire. And that they they have growth that they want to go and achieve and and other goals, um, but it was right. it was interesting. It's uh, it's always interesting when you when you see the change and you hope it brings you um, new voices and fresh talent. Like I mean, when I first got to Stiffs, um, uh, I was hired. Uh, and Nate Timmons, I was hired by Nate Timmons, who then left before. I actually right. met him yeah. at Stiffapalooza. Like, it, so Nate asked me to join and then left. And I did not realize that – I didn't even know who Zach was. So <laughs> Zach and I met, but I had no idea who this dude was. They're like, it's Zach, that commenter from – and I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about. 
That's, it's kind of crazy because a lot of us had our when, – when we got together as initial stiffs, a lot of that growth came from the stiffs and the comments section. Yes. I know that that's where a lot of the OG stiffs used to hang out and, and discuss all of these things and I, I know that – that's where I came from. I, I started really following things closely in the 2012-2013 the season. I remember uh, defending the honor of Costas Papa Nicolau. Uh, I, that was, I remember that, was crazy. that, yeah. It was, that was a phase. That was a phase of mine. That's don't, okay. We all go worry. through these things. <laughs> Look, hey, um, man, Bruno Caboclo fans, you know, today got their comeuppance, so – that was fun. That was Yeah, that don't was worry really about cool. that. We'll get to that later. But, you know, if you hold on long enough to your OG opinions, sometimes they come back around. Kind of – yeah, totally crazy and that's that's why you have to have these takes so early in the process. Uh, but either way, like Adam and Brendan, two of my favorite Nuggets people, uh, two – like Adam I've known for a significant amount of time now. He was the person who eventually hired me for Stiffs and I was able to grow under him. Uh, he and I talked on pod last night. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday night, by the way. It should be up early Wednesday morning. Uh, he and I talked and, and I was bright eyed, bushy tailed. That was, that was the phrase that he used. And it's totally true. I was, uh, definitely in that stage where I was kind of the deer with, uh, with no strength in my legs, not really knowing how to stand up and operate in the NBA media scene. So it was kind of crazy to move up in that process, but, uh, he helped me do it. He's going to be wonderful wherever he goes. Brendan has developed such a great social media voice over the last couple of years. Uh, that dude took over the Stiff's Twitter account and just just went ham. So that was a lot of fun to watch as well. That really helped Stiff's grow as well. So both of those guys have done so much for Stiff's over the past year. Adam for the last four years. Uh, can't say enough about them, and I, I wish them the best where they go. Well, and I like – I enjoy watching people do things that they enjoy, grow from it, and then find new things that they can do. Like honestly, if you want – if you want in, you know, as a writer, show up, contribute, have good opinions, know how to write, and uh, we'll probably hire you in four years. Like that's <laughs> – True. That, that's how it is. Like uh, the Stiffs as a – as an SB Nation blog – you know, Stiffs is is written by fans for fans. That was the original purpose. Right. You know, um, that is their, their niche. That's what they do. Uh, and that's what we've tried to always hold to as members of the Stiffs is that if you if you can write ob- both objectively and from a fan's viewpoint, we we would love to, to find a spot for you and to see if we can help you grow your voice. It's been fun watching you grow your voice. Like uh, it was fun watching uh, Brendan grow his, and it's fun watching watching Adam continue to stretch himself in different media types in different in different areas. Um, uh, this is all something that I don't I don't think media as we know it uh, is static, and so when you have dynamic people who can continue to stretch their own boundaries, it helps us. And it helps them. So uh, I'm glad that this has helped them. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the next people that Stiffs helps and the next direction that we stretch into. It, it should be fun. It is going to be fun. Uh, wrapping up on Brendan and Adam, uh, two quick memories I have, one for each of them. Uh, with Brendan, I consider Brendan the founder of the term Fraud City. He came up with that tag. That was one of his uh, kind of – ultimate things during the playoff scene at the end of the regular season the nuggets just weren't perceived that way like in in a positive light by a lot of the local media that that we've talked about ad nauseum here a lot of the national media that just didn't respect nikola jokic or the or the pieces around him and brendan coined it and he did a great job of showing and showcasing his creativity and awareness of the moment. Uh, he had the swagger to kind of make that happen. It was uh, it was wonderful to see, and and it developed into a shirt. Like that's one of our most popular shirts over at Stiffs is the Fraud City shirt. It's a it's a great look. Uh, the Nuggets really pulled it off, and Denver Stiffs had a big way in generating that narrative. And and Brendan was one of the founding voices of that. With Adam, he really showed everybody how to handle the sports media trolls. Uh, earlier this year, uh, 
there were a variety of voices that that came to the Nuggets uh, when they were at their lowest or, or when they had a big like slip up after doing really well and would continuously bash those continuously bash the Nuggets, bash that team and, and act like they didn't deserve to be covered. And Adam handled that with such grace. Uh, did a great job of, of really connecting with every every Denver fan and every person in the city of Denver as opposed to just one sport like football. Uh, that was uh, well executed by Adam. It was when I really knew that he was a man of the people as opposed to just a man for himself or for his own like selfish purposes. He really cares about the city of Denver and you want people like that to succeed as, as much as possible. So Again, I wish Brendan and Adam the best. They are going to do great things wherever they end up, and I, I'm, I'm just excited for them, man. It's going to be wonderful. It really will be. Um, yeah, I, I consider Adam a friend, and I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing, to seeing his next steps. Uh, there's times when you watch people cocoon and then grow, and a lot of this last year has been Adam's cocoon phase. So I'm looking to see where he grows and, and what he chooses to do and his next approach um, to what he does. I'm, I'm really enthusiastic about that. It's um, going to be fun. Yeah, it really um, will be. So that obviously leads a big hole. Uh, there's a, there's a hole at the site manager position for Denver Stiffs right now. Adam has recommended that I fill it and it's, it's in an interim position right now. He's not really in control of the hiring process. Nobody here really is like, that's a, that's a decision for SB nation. And I respect that. But as of right now, I am the interim site manager for Denver stiffs. And it's a, it's a big step in, in my personal career, something that I've been looking forward to, uh, ever since I kind of found out that this was the track that Adam was going down and that, that Brendan was going down. So it's, it's going to be fun. I have a lot of big plans, uh, can't necessarily get into them and don't want to get into them until things are a little bit more permanent, until I feel like there's a little bit more ground to stand on in this scenario. But I have a lot of big plans for Stiffs, and we're going to continue that legacy that Andy Feinstein and Nate Timmons and Jeff Morton built, and then Adam Morris and Zach and you and me have, have started building on top of that. So... It's going to be wonderful. I am. I'm really looking forward to the opportunity. I I would like to tell every listener not to be afraid of change. Change is inevitable in life, and uh, honestly, if you didn't have it, you get tired of the same voices saying the same things. Uh, the one interesting thing about stiffs is always that there will be change, and and that stiffs remains. Um, a force and a voice, and and I'm looking forward to continuing that this year because it should be just one hell of a year for that. Change is good. Change and evolution is really good. You talked about cocooning and and Adam really growing into his next role. Uh, that's something that I want to start doing. That's something that I know that I can do and I have the capability of doing. And there's a lot of responsibility when it comes to being the face of a of a blog as large as Denver Stiffs is and the, the numbers that we get and the number of people who come to Denver Stiffs every day looking for the new voice and what the narrative is. And there's a lot of responsibility with, with managing that. So, But I am looking forward to it. There are other writers that will eventually be involved. Again, as an interim person, I don't have the capability to hire those people, but I have a lot of people that I that I think would be very interesting in this role. Uh, there's a lot of great content planned for the season as it approaches, and when we get into training camp at the end of September, early October, uh, preseason games coming soon after that, and then the Nuggets will open their season on October 23rd. Uh, it's right around the corner. It's not that far away. And things will move quickly. Uh, Denver Stiffs will move right along with it. There will be Stiffs Night Outs. Uh, that's something that I definitely believe in and think that Nuggets fans should continue to have an opportunity to connect with other Nuggets fans. I think the Stiffs have done a great job with that, and I'd love to be a big part of that in the future as well. Um, but other than that, man, Stiffs, great things ahead. Uh, don't be discouraged by... Adam and Brendan moving on. They are up to great things of their own, and I think that we can continue to do great things here. Absolutely. All right. 
that's that. Uh, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some quick FIBA World Cup news. Talk about Team USA almost blowing it immediately. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers. I'm with Gordon Gross, Stiff Emeritus having a grand old time. We just talked about some of the role changes at Stiff, so if you missed that, then uh, don't hesitate to to scroll back a little bit and just hear our thoughts about the situation. Uh, On to FIBA World Cup. This has been a really interesting moment in international basketball, I would say. Uh, Team USA, they're scraping kind of the bottom of the barrel in terms of the talent that they brought with them. I would be careful how you say that. They brought so? many talented people with them. <laughs> True. They are not the bottom of the barrel. This is not like, you know, grabbing uh, I'm not going to use Emmanuel Moutier's name, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and when I I'll, I'll let me rephrase that really quickly. This is their B minus team or their C team. This is yes. not the D team or the F team or anything like that. It could always get worse. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of talented and excellent players on Team USA, but there's no Kevin Durant. There's no LeBron James. There's no Stephen Curry. Uh, all of those guys have kind of graduated and moved on from World Cup festivities. And Well, and the uh, problem is really that it's not only that you don't have the superstars. You sort of have a team that was built to function with superstars that right. doesn't have those stars and now you have non-superstars trying to do superstar things instead of having a cohesive team. If if you had this these many talented players of this level of talent but they fit together a little better, I would be less concerned for Team USA. But currently I have fit concerns and I have some other things with with the team that they've put together just because of all of the withdrawals that they had. I understand what they were doing. But it, it causes um, certain frictions in roles, um, and roles are important on these teams, whether it's the NBA or whether it's FIBA. Like Knowing your role and fulfilling your role is a huge part of team basketball, and right now the international guys have it, and I don't know that the, the U.S. team has found it yet. It really is fascinating to view this team through the concept of player roles, because I think you're right. I think this team was definitely built for having a a star playmaker. Uh, De'Aaron Fox would have been great on this team. He's not quite a star, of course, but like no, I but think it would have helped. Yeah. It would have certainly helped. Uh, you have guys like Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez who worked around Giannis Antetokounmpo for for their previous season. You have Donovan Mitchell, who, while he was a big scorer, he worked with Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles for a lot of that time in order to create some of his looks. So uh, you have Harrison Barnes, who probably shouldn't be on this team. Uh, You have a lot of guys that probably shouldn't be on this team in terms of what their role should be. Like they, they could certainly fit a a backup role in a team full of stars, but that's just not what this group is. The only guy who I think really stood out was Kemba Walker and he saved their bacon in (laughs) the, in the game today. It was, uh, I mean, that's his job, but yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's a lot on his shoulders at the end of everything. uh, I feel bad for him because it's exactly how his pro teams have been built. His How NBA teams are that? built. <laughs> this is, you know, he joined Team USA to be like, look, man, I finally don't have to carry everything. And then he's going to wind up, you know, every key moment, hey, Kemba, go get me a bucket because we yeah. have no one oh, else who's. Oh, by the way, you have to carry everything. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's it's insane. Uh, Jason Tatum rolled his ankle in this game pretty badly. Uh, yeah, I don't I'm know what the, about that. what the results yeah. are on that. Uh, Donovan Mitchell looked pretty bad in his leading role as a scorer. Uh, that was, Got that rebound, though. Got yeah, that rebound. He, I mean, he, he does a lot of the little things. And don't get me wrong, Utah Jazz fans or anybody that's a Donovan Mitchell fan, like that dude's going to be really good. Don't get me wrong. But he also has a lot to learn. And he can't continue to settle for mid-range jumpers like he's doing. It's, it is unbelievably poor form to settle for that position. But it, it, Unless you want to be DeMar DeRozan. 
Which I hope he doesn't. I, I don't know. Like I, I is there are people that I am never sure what they think their mold is. Like uh, Andrew Wiggins, I have no idea what he thinks he's aiming at. <laughs> what Other than getting at, a huge bro? paycheck, I'm pretty sure that getting a huge paycheck was the goal, and he's accomplished that. Yeah, he, accomplished he hit the, that yeah he hit the bullseye. He's he's golden. Um, but Donovan Mitchell, I'm not sure that he understands the game that would best benefit him. Um, or he, he just really likes it. Yeah. The Turkey choked this game away. Like yes. there's, there's no other way to say it. They were up two points late in the fourth quarter. Uh, Turkey gave up an offensive rebound, of course, that Donovan Mitchell grabbed. And then they fouled Jason Tatum on a three pointer. He also choked and only made two of three. Uh, and then Turkey was up one point with about 10 seconds left in overtime. Uh, they missed four free throws in a row. Yep. And then Chris Middleton hits a pair with two seconds left and they win by one. Like that's, that is as lucky as team USA is ever going to get in this situation again. Uh, yeah, you've used all your luck. That's it. Like it was all, it was all blown in one game. You better come to play the next time. Um, cause they should have lost like, and they wouldn't have kept them from going to the next round necessarily. But th- this was a game that as it played out, Turkey had the upper hand in and should have closed the game out. So how vulnerable is Team USA right now? Because they kind of look completely frightened. Uh, Do you think that they are at risk to not make the final eight teams? Uh, I don't. Uh, I still expect them to make it. I mean, that would be... People like to talk about the U.S., um, the the Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Iverson, or, uh, uh, you know, AI team. Alan Iverson. or so? Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. they had, the, where they had the, the bronze medal team. Right. Um, and they, they like to talk about the, that team as being the biggest, um, uh, I guess, choke on the international stage. And that team had bigger stars than this than this squad, so I, I understand that philosophy. But not making like the quarterfinals would be, be a huge, huge fall, and I don't expect that to happen. Um, I mean, Serbia looked great, but Serbia is playing lesser teams. Turkey's still sure. a very good international squad. Yeah, that's that's something that I think a lot of people have missed in this discussion a little bit. Um, but the fact is, U.S. has the team USA has lacked a consistent playmaker that facilitates for others. They lack a true big man that can guard the players like Giannis, Jokic, Bogut on Australia, Gasol on Spain. Even like I think Bogut's going to be trouble. I I yeah. really honestly watching the team makeup. I think Bogut's going to be trouble playing FIBA rules. Even like Jonas Valanciunas on Lithuania. Always, like, yeah. He's going to be super efficient, and if they if they end up playing against each other, like Miles Turner could probably match up with some of them decently, um, and Brooke Lopez has the size to do so. But do you really trust any of those guys to to like stop an Andrew Bogut or a Jokic or a Gasol in or Giannis even in international play? Like I don't think so. Well, Giannis may not even make the the final eight either. So yeah, that's that's true. They lost to Brazil. That was uh, that was fascinating. Did you see the comments that their coach made? Uh, I I saw him crowing about the fact that his thirty nine year old uh, defender demolished Giannis. Yeah, and it's true. Like they yeah. they held him to thirteen points. No, and uh, again between that and the uh, I I have to admit I enjoy the FIBA uh, non goaltend goaltending. That's fun. Yeah, that's one of my it favorite cool. rules. I'm not on the free throws. I didn't. I don't like it on free throws. Um, so that so the the game saving free throw um, block off of the uh, the bouncing ball, I'm not I'm not a big fan of. But still, I think it's a very fascinating rule um, to be able to swat stuff off the rim. Let's move into Serbia real quick. Uh, they look dominant. They they seem to be at a different class of competition. They're, they're catching their stride for sure. Yeah, they're also playing a different class of competition, as you mentioned. Uh, it's if you, when we're talking about you know C and D teams, that's that's where they've been. That those teams are not in their league. So uh, as far as group draw goes, Serbia got the easy opener. Really. We're recording this podcast on a Tuesday night and Wednesday morning uh, at 5.30 Mountain Time. 
Serbia will play Italy. They'll play Danilo Gallinari and Marco Bellinelli and That'll guys like yeah. that. That should be that should be a good quality game. I don't know if I necessarily think Italy's going to come close to defeating them, but that's a tougher matchup for Serbia with a little bit better competition. So we'll see how they look there. But Jokic is dominating, man. He is just doing a little bit of everything. Uh, he was plus 40 in like 18 minutes this last <laughs> if you, game. If you, if you think that the NBA has no answers for Jokic, the international game really doesn't. He he's always been super well geared for the international game. Just oh, how yeah. well they pass the ball. It's not as much of a running up and down the court system. Like it really is a a half court interior passing, kickouts, slow the game down a bit. He he thrives in that situation and just makes a lot of those excellent passes. And uh, guys like Bogdan Bogdanovic, uh, Boban, Marjanovic, Nemanja Bjelica. They they are NBA players that look fantastic. Like they just look unbelievable. Well, and it's it's fun. Uh, there was a lot of uh, I don't know if about a lot, but some people were concerned when Jokic was you know not starting and the ball was not going through him. But they're they're pacing themselves with Jokic. And, I think they know uh, what they have now. Like well, they didn't. They yeah. yeah they didn't in uh, in the Brazil Olympics. But yeah, twenty sixteen. They, they, they do yeah. now. Like that's you, you, there's no way that you can not give Jokic his due. Um, and I'm, I'm very happy to see that they are letting him be the floor general, that they run the ball through him, um, that they all listen to him on both sides of the ball. The, the video of him pointing to the spot on defense for his guard to (laughs) to get into and then immediately get a steal was hilarious. Um, but he's, he's, he's using his own voice. It's taken him years, but he is now comfortable using his own voice on the court. Um, he may be more comfortable with his countrymen, but it, this is what he does. Like he is the face of the Nuggets, and he's the face of Team Serbia. So I I love the fact that he knows that and he accepts that challenge now. Do you think Serbia should be favorites at this moment in time? Yes, I think so too. I think that that's a that's a hot take for a lot of people. But it really shouldn't be at this point. Like they, they just look the part of a champion. They have the superstar talent. They have the pieces to fit around that superstar talent, and sometimes that's all it takes. Well, and honestly, uh, who is the better player out on the floor in all of FIBA right now? You could say Giannis, but then you look at who's on Giannis's team, and you look at how Giannis got defended. Giannis is not necessarily built for FIBA basketball. I think yeah, he's definitely Giannis built is for built the, for NBA basketball the inter, the, or the the open floor, the fast breaks, yeah, fast the breaks, dunks. Yeah. yeah, that's that's his goal. Uh, Jokic is the best player in FIBA right now. Yeah, that's, if, that's my you, take. If you're using FIBA rules, Jokic is the best player. I um, I, I don't and think even without it, be, you could say that. Yeah, but that shouldn't be a. Uh, a thing like that's that's just who he is that's that's kind of the the player that he was built to be so if he wasn't on the nuggets that dude would be a legend in the mold of uh, uh who's the the oh gosh i'm i'm totally screwing it up uh the other big center passer from russia that was that was uh in the 90s oh god soviet union what's his face we probably should cut this out of the podcast, but I'm totally going to leave it in so that people <laughs> so that people understand my pain. Uh, gosh, and I'm totally going to miss it. Somebody comment down below uh, who the hell I'm talking about. Uh, it he would have had that kind of career. You mean Sabonis? Oh yeah, yeah, older Sabonis, dad oh, Sabonis. Sabonis the elder. You mean the greatest yeah. center in the history of ever? Okay, exactly. That's that's the one. Yeah, freaking moron. Uh, <laughs> God. Welcome Not trying to, to hang out to dry. That was just funny to me. Welcome to your job as site manager, Ryan. Uh, this yep. is great. <laughs> but no, okay. like, uh, and, yeah. and he is. Now, Sabonis was an unstoppable physical monster when he had his knees. And I, I wouldn't call Jokic that. But um, It's getting there. It, getting there. Well, and people misunderstand Jokic. They view him as fat and not understanding how many guys he just moves. Yeah. Like just that's just a, gets them out of thing. the way. Just chew, move along. He's smart enough with his positioning that the the lack of speed is affecting him less and less. Well, and 
because because he's getting better at positioning, because he's getting better at understanding where he needs to be, because he's an insanely smart basketball player, he's mitigating his weaknesses. Tim Duncan, once he couldn't dunk anymore, really, um, that's all that he did was he knew where to be all of the time. They didn't call him the big fundamental for nothing. You know, if Jokic played for Pop, everyone in the world would know that Jokic was the greatest basketball player. Like, that's just how that is. Because Pop already has that respect. When Malone gets it and the Nuggets get it, you'll see it. Like, Jokic is an unbelievable player. Um, and for as long as he stays healthy, and I expect that to be a very long time, just because of the way that he plays basketball. Agreed. Um, um, he'll be great. Let's take a quick look at Spain real quick. Uh, they look great even though they shot 4 of 30 from 3 against Puerto Rico in their last game. Uh, Wancho just fits really well with uh, Ricky Rubio and Marc Gasol. Uh, Wancho, really, for weirdly, yeah. is, is, is very good at international play, whereas you would think that maybe he wouldn't be because he's, he's – um, I don't know. Like his, his skills are rebounding and shooting the three. Um not necessarily defense, not necessarily positioning, but he just plays really well internationally and always has. Um, and he understands Spain basketball. The great thing about Spanish, the Spanish national team is that everybody's there forever and they all understand each other perfectly and they have their own shorthand. And that helps because they all play international basketball all the time. One of the things that Spain did in their first game, I'm not sure if they did it in their second game, was they kind of used – uh, like whole line substitutions for their starters and their bench. Uh, Hernan Gomez, watch uh, out, excuse me, uh, played with uh, Gasol and Rubio pretty much permanently. That's that's the only time he was out there in the first game. He played over 20 minutes in this last game too. I assume that that was primarily with Rubio and Gasol. And he just fits really well with those two guys who are ball handlers. They're the responsible guys for playmaking. He cuts, he spots up, he runs in transition. Uh, and the positioning that you talked about, I think, I assume it was defensive because he's really good at offensive positioning. That's like, right. That's yeah. one of his main reasons why he works so well with Jokic is he just kind of understands the spatial dynamics of a Jokic-led offense. Look, man, I just want Wancho to be healthy during the Nugget season. He's always good for international play. And yeah. I always get excited because I watch you play internationally, and I'm like, well, he should be perfect on the Nuggets this year. And then he uh, gets hurt. So hopefully, hopefully that can come together. Uh, it but I'm, dying, I'm dying to see Serbia versus Spain, man. I hope we get that in this FIBA. Do you think that Spain is a serious threat to eliminate Serbia? Uh, I think or that at least Spain to beat them. I, I think that Spain is always a, a threat in FIBA basketball. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think that that's controversial to say. Spain has always, always, always played international basketball very, very well. They have the right players for it. They have the right coaching style, you know. And their guys grow up in the system, and so um, they all know what is expected of them, and they all know how to play together. Like you said, they're used to line changes. They um, they have played with each other um, at home in pickup games. They all go back to Spain in the off season from wherever they've been playing. Right. That's that's just their thing. So um, the Spanish national team is always a very professional team, and I expect them to give it a very professional go of it. So, yeah, I, I think that they could cause some problems for Serbia just because they have one of the few centers who can hang with Jokic. That's true. And and if you have that matchup advantage, or not necessarily matchup advantage, but kind of matchup negator. Not disadvantage, yeah. Yeah, like he, he kind of negates that advantage as 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 much as any team possibly can. Right. Uh that's a that's a reason why they could seriously win, and then and then Ricky Rubio is obviously a veteran in the in the FIBA system, so he knows just how that works. When he's another guy who's better in FIBA, say it again. He's another guy who's better as a FIBA basketball player. Oh yeah, I think I agree with that. He just like he knows how to space the floor with his facilitation, his passing, uh, but it just doesn't matter as much in the NBA where it's more athleticism based and shooting based and. And well, and more guys like, will close on him in the NBA. Yeah, you know, or they'll 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 force him to shoot. Whereas in FIBA, it's it's not. They don't have the same kind of players. You can't play defense the same kind of way. True. All right, let's take one more quick break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to get into the dreaded player rankings. That's a that's a topic that I think is interesting. We'll spend it's a the offseason. You got to do rankings. That's hey, how it is. And, yeah, we're not going to rank anybody actually, but we're going to talk about what we think is really important about them. So we'll be right back. 
All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers. I'm with Gordon Gross. Uh, it's Ryan Blackburn, interim site manager now. That is that is really weird to say, but I'm going to keep saying it because You'll get it kind of sounds it. cool. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't want to do any outright player rankings on this pod. I think that that's a, that's a topic save for another day. I think uh, you're just saying that because you knew I wasn't going to come on if you made me uh, rank everything. That's also partially true. Uh, <laughs> I didn't give you a lot of time to prepare for this podcast, so I was not going to force you to do anything at all. Uh, but I do want your opinion on player rankings kind of as a whole. Like, as you and most of my listenership know, I do like player rankings. I think there's a value to them. Do you I would like never have rankings? guessed. Yeah. Do you like them? <laughs> um, they serve a purpose. Um, but unfortunately the NBA, the way the NBA is set up, players on different teams would be ranked differently. Right. Like the 65th best player in the league on the team he's currently on might be the 30th best player in the league on a different team that better takes advantage of his skill set. Um, and it's one of the reasons why the Nuggets, while not necessarily having guys who in a vacuum are the best at their position, you know, Jokic aside, um, you have guys who fill roles or could in theory that the plan for them is to fill roles incredibly well, which ups the value of the player. No different than having, you know, Chris Middleton next to Giannis is different than having Chris Middleton, you know, on the Knicks. Yeah, Chris Middleton on the Knicks is, a, is not as good of a player as he is on the Bucks. That's just the way it is. Adams talked about this before, this concept that he pointed out that player rankings lack context in general. Yeah. Uh, just because when you try to evaluate players in a vacuum, you lose a lot of the luster about what makes them a great player in their own right. Right. Like, all these guys are super talented and they fill different roles, uh, but it's those roles and it's those situations that almost shape those players as much as the ultimate talent does. So – uh, my belief is that – and this is how I was going to do my player rankings this year before kind of being tapped and then filling a different role for Stiffs than the the analytical guy. Uh, my belief is that by adding context, you can really evaluate what skills are super valuable, uh, which players have those skills, which players don't. And then you can start by building a team that makes sense. And in order to like, you can then find value that way. Like, it's not necessarily, hey, we're going to try to get the the best, the seventh best, and the fifteenth best player on our team. And if we do that, then we're going to win a title. It's no, we have a player that's a primary playmaker. We have a player that's primarily a scorer and defender. We have a guy who is a facilitator for those guys and and kind of fills in the gaps. And so then you build it like that and it goes organically. Well, that's kind of how the, the Warriors initially built it. And then when they added Durant, that was the former. So Yeah, but it, even so, like Steph Curry is the greatest shooter that ever lived. So you can't be like, well, I have a guy who can shoot. Well, no, you have the <laughs> best guy who has ever shot. You know, and it, so in that sense, yes, you want to grow your team organically with everyone knowing their roles and accepting their roles. You know, you have Draymond Green, who is one of his best defenders at his size in the modern NBA. You know, so, those those me, things matter. Like that's that that has always mattered. It's just a matter of um you can't skip talent and you can't put talent in the wrong role. You need both things. Let me, yeah, I, I, that's a, that's a great point. I want to touch on that real quick because as you talked about Curry, his talent is, is generational. It's undeniable. It's, it's the best of all time at a certain skill. That is probably the most important skill of this generation in his shooting. Uh, when you have a guy like Draymond Green, who also kind of fits that role and pairs extremely well with him, I think some of that, some of the reason why he became the player that he is was in that context, was in that developmental system where he got to function around Steph Curry as opposed to functioning around uh, somebody who's slightly worse, like a, a Kyrie Irving. Those players are different. And, and while... Draymond would still probably be pretty good. He, I don't think he would be as good next to Kyrie Irving as he is next to Stephen Curry. Like those guys are just different contexts and different. Well, and they are, and, and and the thing that the Warriors focused on was um, honestly basketball IQ. 
that they right. they found guys who knew when they should shoot and who knew when they should pass. Um, and uh, because I mean the the Warriors were good when they um, uh, when they were you know pre Clay before before Clay became like the third guy. Um, they were still good, right. um, but they weren't what they are now. They got to be what they are now because they have two amazing shooters. They have they are people willing to commit on defense, and they have uh, for as long as he stays what he was. They had they had Draymond Green holding down that sort of Dennis Rodman defend anyone in my area sort of thing. Um, right. you can't necessarily plan for that. They didn't. I mean, they drafted Draymond Green in the second round. They didn't plan for that. You know, uh, any more than the Nuggets plan to build an entire offense around Nikola Jokic. You don't plan to do that. But once you find that guy, then you have to be flexible. Then you have to say, okay, wow, Draymond Green is one of the greatest defenders and a terrific passer. We're going to figure this out. How do I build around that? And they had Ron Adams running their defense. And Ron Adams is probably the greatest defensive assistant in history. True. So – that worked out for them. They hired the right people to make use of the talents they had and then manipulated their roster. Um, honestly, that's what you really have to do is is have an idea. What do I have? And then you can tell what do I need. Having the right shopping list is incredibly important. So, uh, Masai Ujiri had it. Masai Ujiri said, yeah. what one piece would fix this problem for me? It was Kawhi, and he made it happen. And they won a title because he was right. Uh, I want to I want to get into that because I think that that's really interesting. And when we talk about superstars and and player rankings, and I think the top ten is really important in a lot of these discussions because I think that those guys kind of shape the league and what you're expecting from a from a lot of these positions. Well, they shape groups. their team too, man. Like yeah. if you have a top ten guy, you change how you build your team around that guy. You don't just say, "Well, I'm going to add another guy." I mean, not unless you're foolish. That's what. The uh, the Celtics tried to do really. So um, let me. Uh, I, I want to get into that real quick. Yeah. Let's. Uh, I want to talk about skills because there are different things that different players are really good at that make them really really valuable, make them really really good. But what are the three skills, in your opinion, at that that are that are super important? Like, what's what's the most important skill that a player that you're building around has to have? basketball IQ. Interesting. Okay. I I don't I don't care <laughs> like yeah, I mean honestly, yes, shooting matters, but the the question is from where? Like if Jokic didn't have a three-point shot, would he still be amazing? Yes, because he only uses three-point shot like two and a half times a game or whatever. Like I think I agree with that and I'm going to expand on it a little bit. The first skill that I listed was high volume scoring at above average efficiency. Okay. I don't care where it comes from. I agree uh, with that. You could be Kevin Durant and kind of abuse the mid range if you want, as long as you're hitting those shots at a elite rate, uh, doing what you do best and then being a valuable offensive player in that regard. If you're DeMar DeRozan and you are hitting those shots a lot less frequently but still attempting them a lot then you just automatically become less valuable and then there's there's the interim in that where you have to know where the most valuable shots and guys like Stephen Curry and James Harden have manipulated that to the extreme Giannis and that's what is, I consider basketball yeah. IQ though like that's for me that's that's knowing what you can do and then tweaking how you approach the game to maximize that thing that you can do that other people can't do. What's your second skill? What would, what would be the next thing on Gordon's list of superstar traits? Uh, well, I that. that would be shot making. Okay. That, that you have to be able to make shots when it matters. You have to be able to get buckets when you know, you're in the closing minutes. You've got to be able to make buckets. When you are – um, on a run, the other team is, is putting a run on you. You've got to be able to stop that with a bucket. Being able to put the ball in the hoop is important. It's basketball. It's the very first you know word in the title. Put it in the basket. Does Giannis Antetokounmpo fit that mold? The shot that he makes is dunks. Is that good enough? 
It depends on who was on his team. So so how fascinating is that, that that context like really matters? He's a super efficient player. He knows what he's doing. But if you can find a way like the Toronto Raptors did in being able to take away that best skill, he didn't have another opportunity to or another another real way to impact the game in a scoring mold. And that that's what lost the Milwaukee Bucks, the Eastern Conference finals. Well, he couldn't penetrate. And yeah. once that happens, once you can't penetrate and you have no one else who can get people off of you to allow you to get backdoor cuts to be able to get to the hoop, then you're in trouble because he can't just rise up and shoot over people. My first trait was high volume scoring at above average efficiency. My second trait is playmaking for others. I think that that's a really important skill for the superstars where you see a lot of these guys, they they command so much attention. They have to have the ability to make that pass. And whether it's because they're drawing so much attention as a scorer or because they're trying to actively get other people involved, they have to be able to make that distinction and, and make those plays. And that that to me cuts out a guy like Kawhi. I was going to ask you about that because that was exactly the guy I was thinking of was what does that mean then when Kawhi is, you know, not exactly an assist maven and doesn't do more than I don't want to say rudimentary passes, but, you know, he makes the available pass, not the great pass, not the getting people open pass, not the, you know, dish off on his way to the rack. That's not Kawhi's gig. It's definitely the weakest part of his game. Uh but he does such a great job with everything else, and he's such an elite defender when he wants to be, that I think it makes up for it and puts him back into that conversation. Like, this this is my personal list of the ideal superstar. He has weaknesses, don't get me wrong, but I think that those weaknesses are made up for in this context. Like, I, I wouldn't have him outside my top 10 or Well, my let's top put it seven. this way. For me, that's, that comes back to, for the top 10 players in the league, you build your team around them. So if you have Kawhi, then you say, okay, he's not going to create shots for others. I will need people who can make their own shots, and I will need someone to facilitate like a crazy person. Like I'm going to need that because that's not it. what Kawhi brings. Kawhi will do every other thing on the court for me, but not that. And they had it. You're, you're talking You're talking the exact formula for Toronto. They had Pascal Siakam, who was able to score one-on-one on one in those situations. And you had uh, excuse me, Kyle Lowry, who's a crazy facilitator for others. So they were able to make it work and formulate a championship contender. But I think it's because they they had a strong core around him. And it wasn't just Kawhi. Like the, the ultimate scoring total looked like it was Kawhi in some of those games. Don't get me wrong. But like that formula had a lot of other moving parts to it and a lot of pieces that made it work. And it takes a lot in order to build a championship contender and to build around the right player. So I think that they might have traded a guy like Kyle Lowry if they had LeBron James on their roster. Or maybe they just needed shooters at that point. Uh, but they found a way to make it work. I just don't know if that's conducive of like if you're talking about who's the best player in the NBA. If you have that weakness, should you be considered the best player? Well, the question is who doesn't have weaknesses? Uh, I would consider probably two or three guys to not have weaknesses. And that's LeBron. Uh, though he's getting older. I was going to say that I, I LeBron from three years ago, sure. He's losing his luster, don't get me wrong. Uh, Kevin Durant would be the next candidate. Uh, with an Achilles injury who may never come back from. Correct, which is uh, unfathomable at this point, somebody who's dominated the league as often as he has. But Kawhi, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that um, Kevin Durant is more of a facilitator than Kawhi Leonard either. I think he is. I think he's developed that tendency. Like his assist numbers have have trended in the positive direction. Well, they trended uh, in the positive direction with Golden State. I mean, I, I guess I guess he was fine with with Russell, but a lot of those assists in, in OKC aren't the way their system is set up. It's set up for you to get assists, but those aren't necessarily. Yeah. Those are counting stats. This is why I have trouble with um, you just using assist totals for things. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, uh, getting assists and and making plays for others are two different things, and I don't think that assists captures that correctly. But that's a personal pet peeve. 
So another couple of candidates in that situation. Stephen Curry, does he count into that discussion? Is that somebody who you think like the high volume scoring, the basketball IQ, the playmaking for others, is he a good enough playmaker for others? Uh, For me, he is. Uh, But with Steph, you always have the question, um, at his size, is that a disadvantage? I think it's it's massively impressive that he was able to basically lead the – Warriors to a couple of wins uh, it, against a Toronto team that was basically stacked to the brim with defensive, all NBA, all defensive talent, uh, Steph, guys across the board. Steph, for me, is still massively underrated somehow. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, he gets left out of all these discussions, and I'm like, I am telling you, if you wanted to build around one guy, like – in the NBA, I, I still would have trouble not building around Steph. What about James Harden? Yeah, that's just personal pet peeve, man. <laughs> um, I Weirdly, I'm not sure that James Harden has it um, uh, emotionally. When the going gets tough, I don't know that I want James Harden as the guy who has to grind it out. There's been too many times in the playoffs where he's decided he doesn't want to do that. Yeah, that's um, that's, uh, that's a tough look. And, and so for, for me, for me, my third skill is mental toughness. Yeah, like my third skill is can when someone punches you in the mouth, can you come back from it? It's why I'm happy that Nikola Jokic. People think he's soft because he's uh, not built like you know Giannis. Um, but Jokic grew up getting beat up by his older brothers forever. He doesn't back down from anything. Um. I don't feel like he's scared of anyone in the league. I don't feel like the situation's too big for him. You see him on the international stage as the face of his country, and he's fine. You see him uh, playing 65 minutes in one game for the Nuggets, and he's like, bring it. I'm, I'm not checking out of this game. Let's go. Like, they lost that game, but he got my ultimate respect as a guy who doesn't fold when the chips are down. He was awesome. Uh, he's actually the next guy I was going to ask you about. Like, does Nikola Jokic fit that mold for you? Um, my concern with with Nikola uh, still remains, can you do enough defensively at a position that normally is a defensive position? Um, it's it, When Steph has defensive question marks with a couple of people, don't get me wrong, he has worked so hard on that, and his positioning is amazing. You know, but James Harden is just a much bigger man than him. You know, but it, but wing defense is your first line of defense. You can back up Steph with somebody like Draymond. You right. can't back up Nicola with anybody because once they get to Nicola, that's it. It's it's why his his movement speed. It's why his ability to be smart with his basketball IQ and be able to mirror other people with his feet has become so important for Denver. Yes. Uh, He's on the borderline there, and I would say kind of like a Kawhi Leonard, he's on the borderline of that discussion. Well, and for me, uh, what I find interesting, you know, we keep talking about this. I don't think that at this point that there is one perfect player in the NBA. It used to be LeBron. Like recently, the perfect player in the NBA was LeBron, and he still lost a bunch of finals because being the perfect player is not enough. Um, and honestly, I think having LeBron on your team hurts you because you don't know what you're supposed to do, and he makes all your guys better, so you don't know how good they are until they get in the playoffs and they suck. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you don't. like, And that was honestly my concern with Jokic is that he makes everybody better, but is that does that help you with your evaluations, or does that mislead you uh, until you get to the playoffs and you face a team that is better put together than you with better players – and you suddenly have found your ceiling. Because a guy who raises the ceiling of your guys is great during the regular season. But it's not necessarily what you want in the playoffs when the rotations are shortened and you need the best eight dudes on the, on the, on the court. You need the best eight-man rotation, and you won't necessarily get it if your guy is masking the deficiencies of your own players. And that's a GM right. problem. That's something that the GMs have to work out. When you have a guy who makes everybody better, it's your job to tell in a vacuum, yes, uh, Nikola Jokic is making Will Barton, for instance, a better player. 
how valuable is Will Barton to us over some other player I could have instead of Will Barton, who will also be made better by Jokic? It's a very interesting question and a very interesting question for a team that's built around continuity. Um, I would love to see how different players reacted to playing with Nikola Jokic. I don't think we're going to. I think that this team is kind of locked in. Yeah, um, for this year, for this year, they want to roll it back. I mean, they got close, and if Barton and um, you know Gary Harris hadn't, and even guys like Wancho hadn't been injured last year, you know, where are they? What can they do? And I think they want to know uh, before they start making wholesale changes. They want to know what they actually have, and I don't blame them. Let's move really quickly into starter caliber players and rotation, like bench caliber players, like for these skills specifically, because we talk about the stars and that's really important to starting the discussion. But there are a lot of players in the NBA and a lot of these top 100 lists that come out that that people generate, like some of it's really important in in that context and some of it you have to understand uh these other these other players are filling that context for their teams and might nece- might not necessarily look great in one situation like you said but could look elite in a different one so or they're playing bench players and when they get someone who focuses on them it changes how they look on the court completely completely agree uh what is one skill that you think that every starter caliber player needs to have in the NBA today Every starting caliber player? Uh, or like as many starting caliber players as possible or, or the skill that most players should try to aspire to have. Like when, when we evaluate these guys. Hit me with yours. My first was shooting. Uh, just as a as a general uh, surrounding like shell for the playmaking position at, at a superstar role. See, I, I mean I hear you. As a starter, you want everybody to be able to shoot. I, I get that. Uh, but I don't – I think every starter needs an elite skill. And that's going to sound like a cop-out, but like if you have Dennis Rodman, he can't shoot for shit. That doesn't matter. If you have Draymond Green, he's not a great shooter. That doesn't matter. He has an elite skill that you can deploy. And so every starter should have an ability to fill that role that they have with an elitely deployed skill. They should have it. Um, See, I don't like starters who are just average at stuff. It, yeah. I, I don't. like that. I understand that on a bench. I understand that as a backup. But I, I don't – I'm not a huge fan of, of starting caliber players who, who never have a skill that is um, above average. See, I, I was kind of the opposite in that. When I was when I was thinking of this, I was thinking, hey, if you're a bench player, you need an elite skill. Uh, you, you, you know, you're going to be a rotation player, somebody who's filling a role. And in order to fill that role po- properly, you need to be really good at something. And so Malik Beasley, for example, was really good in transition and really good as a spot-up shooter. And that's just kind of what he did, and he became a super valuable role player in that regard. But I don't know if he was necessarily a starter-caliber player because he wasn't able to do those other things like playmaking for others or play defense or... Uh, so you would take so you would, you would take that point of view that starters need to have a wealth of skills and bench players only need one really good one. That's That's my opinion. The, the next thing that I would mention for starter caliber players beyond shooting is quality defense. So I think that every – as many – if you can get as many starters as you can to have quality defense as their foundation, that's how the Toronto Raptors won a championship. That's how the Golden State Warrior teams of old, uh, the 14-15, 15-16, that's how they made their bones was they, they had a, one guy in Draymond Green who was elite – they had Clay Thompson, who was really good, and then they had another another plethora of guys that were just solid. I mean, I hear you, but like what you're telling me is, uh, if you can shoot from all levels of the court and play great defense, you should be able to start. Well, yeah, like that's <laughs> true. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, uh, I mean, in theory, I would. Uh, that's terrific. Also, you should make all your free throws, and then why are we even having the conversation? But and it's it's not necessarily like you have to do all of those things. Like I listed. 
I listed three primary skills. It's shooting, quality defense, and some playmaking. And then the fourth thing I listed was filling in the gaps. What you're really supposed to do as a starter is just surround your star with quality play and and make up and complement their weaknesses. Like, for example, Chris Middleton. I think he's a versatile star. Uh, not necessarily star, but like close to that level. And more of a role player in terms of a starter on offense, but he fills a niche in that system, as does a guy like Brooke Lopez, who kind of fills a niche in that system and becomes a really valuable starter based off of what he does by filling a couple of different skills. I mean, I can see that. It's just, like, at this point, it's it's so general that I'm not sure... I'm not sure what the difference is between that and having bench players that fill roles or, you know, uh, they complement your starters. Like my starting, you know, small forward is a great shot maker but can't play defense. So my backup small forward should be a defender whether or not he can shoot. But that way I can deploy that guy when I have a need to stop another guy. But is that team then a championship contender or not? Well, it depends on how good the guy is who's starting who can shoot. Maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe maybe the goal is to just have guys with elite skills. And I don't. And I, I, if you my problem is foundation. Then. I don't even know. I don't even know that there's a huge difference between being a great starter and being a great backup. Like I interesting. Uh, we watched Will Barton be an outstanding six man of the year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then we watched what happened when teams started keying on Will Barton. And really, that's where you find out who's actually a starter because you have a lot of bench players who are good until they start being taken seriously in scouting reports and until people start taking away your best skill. For me, the difference between being a starter and being a bench player is that as a starter, when someone says, I'm going to take away your best skill, what are you going to do? You have an answer. I thought that was exactly what happened to Monte Morris and Mason Plumley. In the playoffs this past year, uh, guys who have elite skills, they they do like Monte, Monte Morris, great in the pick and roll, great and solid as a spot up shooter. But when he became a guy who needed to hit those shots from the outside and and couldn't necessarily be just a facilitator, he struggled in that regard. And that was that was a really painful thing for Denver's bench. Uh, same with Mason Plumley; He wasn't the same caliber of defender, and the, and the the Spurs really took advantage of him in, in some of those situations, as did the Blazers in some situations. Yes. So, uh, And the Blazers right. knew him, so I expected that to be a problem. Like, any time that your coach had, knew you intimately and coached you, he knows what's, what where to hit you. That's just how it goes. But a guy like Jamal Murray, for example, he he struggled at times, don't get me wrong, but he was able to rise above a lot of the issues that plagued Monte Morris and still showcased a lot of that talent and that scoring ability and the ability to not make mistakes, I was really impressed with. Well, he also played like 40 minutes a game, man. Like yeah. for 25 of those minutes, he was terrible in several of those games. Like that's the benefit of being a starter is you get a longer leash. Hmm. If you're a bad bench, if if you're a bench player and you suck in your 15 minutes, you're not getting back out there. If you're Jamal Murray and you suck in your 15 minutes, Coach Malone says in a press conference that he's going to put you back out there because he has faith in you and he knows you'll come through in minute 35. And And to his to his defense, Murray did. Murray was like, "You're right. I was crap for 32 minutes, but you gave me the last six and I came through for you." It's important to understand that dynamic. Uh, If you had to classify Murray. In this context, as a starter or a star, where would you put him? Um, he's a starter. Okay. Do you think he could develop into that kind of star piece? Maybe not superstar. Like that's a no. Yes, a I absolutely tier. believe Murray can be a star. Okay, uh, but uh, there's there. Are, I worry about the things that people can take away from him. Um, he didn't face a lot of guards that could stop him. Um, yeah, there was no he Patrick faced a Beverly lot of weak there. defenders at his position. But if I'd had Patrick Beverly out there, or Marcus Smart, or somebody Marcus like Smart, that, yeah, Eric, Bledsoe. I I would have been really worried about Jamal Murray um, because in playoff situation where they're reluctant to blow the whistle, those guys are going to manhandle you, and he does not handle body pressure well, and that's that's a concern of mine with with Murray. So 
Do I think he can be a star? I absolutely do. Um, but there are things about his game that, like we were talking about, when you take it away, if I take away the thing that you do best, you know, if you can't cross over me and then step back and hit a three-pointer and then shoot an arrow in my face, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 that guy. He's a... Uh... He is that kind of dude, and I love, and I, I love the ballsiness, man. I I do. Denver needs swagger guys, like they just do. And Murray's got it. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings after uh, a summer of working on his game. What's interesting about this player ranking process is I know I know for a fact that ESPN, Sports Illustrated, uh, every every Bleacher Report, every place that puts out these rankings, are going to have Murray as the second best guy on Denver. Uh, they're going to have him over Paul Millsap because of how that playoff Absolutely. context and because Absolutely, and because of the growth curve, because you're betting that he's going to get better. It's going to be interesting. I I, <clears throat> I don't want to get into my own personal rankings. I think that that's probably definitely now not the best time for that. But uh, Gordon, thanks for coming on, man. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. This was a good conversation. We definitely went over in terms of what I thought we were going to do, but hey, that's your specialty. I was going to say, you, you asked me on and you gave me like, we're going to talk about five topics. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> this is a you problem, not a me problem. Come on, man. I want to go to bed. Like, <laughs> yeah, Right? Uh, I got to work in the morning. Come uh, on. Uh, yeah, so, so do I now. Uh, we're going we're gonna to see what happens, but hey, if, if you guys missed the the podcast go back and listen to the first section talk about some of the future for denver stiffs talk about the departures of adam maris and brendan vote we're going to miss them dearly it's going to be a pain in my butt to try and fill that role and and fill in those gaps but i'm going to do it to the best of my ability so believe in me nuggets fans believe in me stiffs uh i've got you don't worry i already do and, and if not, then, you know, I'll just I'll know where to point the blame. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, the podcast schedule is going to change at some point. But for now, going to see you guys in a couple weeks. Bye.